The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on May 22, 2011, for the fifth Sunday after Easter, Graduate Sunday, based on 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit builds our faith on Jesus is the second lesson, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Please listen to the opening sentence once again. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior, and especially you, our graduates from the class of 2011, Lauren and Chance and Sam. When I was growing up, I had building blocks to play with, the first ones I remember are, were wooden cube ones with colorful letters on that. After those came Lincoln logs and then interlocking plastic blocks, sort of like Legos, but they were a different brand. And what an advancement I thought that was. Now I could build my houses and my little brothers couldn't destroy them so easily. Those blocks interlocked. And I know as seniors in high school, you are well past those building blocks, those toys. And yet, even in adulthood, building blocks play an important part of our lives, don't they? And I'm not even talking metaphorically here. I'm talking about physical building blocks. Think of the concrete blocks that form the foundation for our homes. Or the two-by-fours instead of Lincoln logs that frame our houses. Concrete and steel, glass and brick are the building blocks of our modern world. And yet, all of these, whether the wooden blocks of a toddler or the iron girders of a skyscraper, all of them are non-living, right? That's rather obvious. Even a, a toddler knows that. And that's why, dear friends, that's why it's so striking when Peter writes living stones here. Think about that. He chooses that, that building block of a stone, which you might say is, is the deadest of, of building materials, isn't it? Unlike wood, stone was never alive. And to emphasize just how dead something is, what do we say? It's stone dead. Seems like a contradiction, an oxymoron to talk about living stones. And that's the Holy Spirit's way of telling us to sit up and take notice here. Here is something remarkable, even impossible. How amazing, marvelous, and wonderful, miraculous this is. This talk about living stones. How can it be? How can stones be alive? Well, only because of the one of a kind, a true, genuine, authentic living stone, namely Jesus Christ. 
He is the archetype or the original, you might say. And even more than that, he is the power, the the fountain, the source, the foundation, the cornerstone through which life comes to you and to me. We live because he lives. It all depends on Jesus. He, the living stone, calls you to be his own. Yes, he calls you to be his own living stones, his own believing people, and his own royal priests. The living stone calls you to be his own. Remember that theme. You and I, we've always been stones, but not living stones. And maybe a way for us to see this is to think about Palm Sunday. For many years, the Sunday school has brought palm leaves and placed them up here on Palm Sunday, reminding us of how the people honored Jesus with their palm branches and how they shouted Hosanna. But do you remember what the Pharisees said to Jesus as the crowds were shouting Hosanna to him? They wanted Jesus to tell the people to be quiet. But Jesus says, if they remain silent, then the stones will cry out. You and I, dear friends, graduates, were those stones. Yes, we were once stone dead, dead in sin. We could not believe in Jesus by our own thinking or choosing. No matter how gifted we were, we did not have that power. No one does because we're born dead in sin. We could not come to Jesus. But he came to you. Through the water and word of baptism, he came to you and took dead stones, you and me, and made us alive. He called us to be living stones. And so now you also call out, Hosanna, please say, for you know that Jesus is your Savior from sin and death. You believe his promise of full and free forgiveness. You trust that he has nailed your sins to the cross and rose from the dead to bring you eternal life. The living stone has called you to be living stones as well. And yet that is only possible through Him. You are living stones only through Jesus. And so don't build on any other kind of foundation. Don't lean on your own understanding or your education Look to Jesus alone. Only through Him, only because of His death and resurrection are we living stones. Only in Jesus. And so trust Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. That was your confirmation verse, Lauren. And words for all of us to take to heart here. You are living stones only through Jesus. So trust Him. Trust Him alone. Trust Him with all your heart. The living stone calls us to be His own. He calls us not only to be living stones, but also to be His believing people. For you see, faith makes the difference. If Jesus is not in your heart and in your mind, then you are still stone dead. 
There is no in-between. Either you believe in Jesus and that faith shows itself in your life, or you don't believe in him even though you may know about him and at one time had a childlike faith. There is no in-between. And the text for today brings that out as well. As we read here, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, they stumble because they disobey the message. To stumble means to fall away and end up in the pit of hell. There is no in-between. But did you notice that wonderful description of faith here? Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. What a way to describe that faith that saves. Such faith holds Jesus as precious. So very precious. More precious than anything else. Now, what does that mean to hold something precious? Maybe one way to picture that is to think of the story of the Lord of the Rings. In that story, the the creature named Gollum calls the one ring, which rules the other rings of power, he calls it my precious. And if you know the story, think about how that affects his behavior and life. Because he holds that ring precious, it fills his heart and mind. The thought of it and the desire for it consume him. He searches for it. He pursues it. He doesn't care how much he suffers in order to get it. No matter what he has to endure, he'll do it for the sake of that ring. That's what it means to hold something precious. Now, because that ring was evil, holding it precious destroyed that creature, Gollum. But how different when you hold the living stone as most precious, more precious than anyone or anything else. For he is the source of all that is good. He is the source, the life giver. And he calls you to be his believing people who hold him as most precious. That's not easy to do. Living in the world that we live in, that's not easy to do because the world wants you to hold other things to be as precious as Jesus. And you notice the the subtlety there. The world says, oh, it's okay for you to consider Jesus to be important and precious. Just, Just keep him in his space. Because, you know, there's a lot of other things out there that are precious too. You don't want to have too much space for Jesus because how precious friends are as you say goodbye. How precious your education and preparation for a career is so that you can be a success in life. How precious finding that special someone to be your lifelong spouse and raise a family together. How precious having time for fun and recreation so that you can ease the worries and stresses of life. How precious that job so that you have an income to do things and to to buy things with. You see how deceptive the world is? It doesn't necessarily say you've got to get rid of Jesus. It just says don't hold him as too precious because there's all those other things out there as well. And yet all those other things are only gaudy fakes compared to the genuine living stone, Jesus Christ. Even the best of them, family and friends and and career and recreation, they pass away. But the living stone, the living stone, Jesus Christ, 
never fails, never crumbles, never tarnishes. And when you trust in Him, when your faith is in Him, when you follow Him as His believing people, then you will not be put to shame as the text promises. Oh yes, the world will try to make you feel ashamed, embarrassed about your non-scientific belief, or to feel sort of that, that, that shame that, well, you know, I miss out on so much of life because I'm not pursuing these other things as if they were as precious as Jesus. Yes, the world will try to make you feel ashamed as you follow Jesus, but, but in the end, Jesus will return. And you who have held him as most precious in this life will reign with him in his kingdom, never to be put to shame. While all the others are lost, there is no in-between. So hold Jesus as most precious, more dear than anything or anyone else. For he has called you to be his believing people. And that means that we hold him most precious. That's what faith does. So fill your heart with his word and, and fill your mind with his word. Pursue him and his righteousness. Take up your cross. Don't count the cost. Whatever the pain, danger, or loss, keep treasuring Jesus. Keep cherishing him, following him, living for him. For such a life will never be put to shame. Even though the world may trouble you and and cause you trouble and danger, yet you know that Jesus is your king. And you can say with the Apostle Paul, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. 2 Timothy 4. And that was your confirmation verse, Chance. As God's believing people, called to follow Jesus, cherish him as most precious in your life. And finally, In our third part here, we know that Satan is constantly out to raise doubts in our hearts, doubts about why we are here and doubts about who we are. But then again, remember the living stone, Jesus Christ. He has called you to be his own. Not only his own living stones and his own believing people, he has called you to be his royal priest. That is who you are in Christ Jesus. And as his royal priests declare his praises, that is what he has called you to do. Again, listen to what the text says here. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are his royal priests. Now, what is it that a priest does? A priest was a mediator between the people and God. He offered the sacrifices for them. In order for the people to approach God, they had to go through the priest. But in Christ, you are priests before God. That means you have direct access to God. The sin that once blocked our prayers, Jesus has taken away. The sins that once corrupted our works and sacrifices of praise, Jesus has taken away. You have direct access to God 
For Jesus is your mediator. He became man to reconcile you to God through his death. He is the way, the only way. No one comes to the Father except through him. Yes, through Jesus, your God and Savior, you have direct access to God. And if that sounds too amazing to be true, once again, think about your baptism. There Jesus washed away your sins that blocked your access to God. There you were reborn into his family so that you can call on the Heavenly Father as his own dear child through faith in Jesus. What grace and mercy have been shown to us that we have direct access to God as his royal priests. That's what the living stone has called you to be. And that also gives us our our purpose here, doesn't it? As it says here, to declare his praises. Whose praises? The praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And, And that again indicates how we declare his praises. We no longer walk in the ways of darkness. We, fall, we flee from sin and its temptations because we've been called out of the darkness. And now, as his royal priest, we reflect his light that shows love and forgiveness towards others even as he has shown it towards us. And to declare his praises also means we do this not only with our actions but with our words so that others see that the good that we do isn't because we're such nice people, but it's because we have such a great God and Savior. And they praise Him as we share that good news that Jesus is their Savior, who has rescued them from sin and death as well. Yes, this is what is meant by a a life that we offer as a sacrifice of praise to our God. As priests, we offer this sacrifice day after day, It's it's not a payment for sin because that sacrifice was offered once and for all on the cross by our great high priest, Jesus Christ. But no, our life, what we say and do each day is an offering of thanks, a sacrifice of praise to our God as we carry out that purpose to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. What a high and noble purpose the Lord has given you and me, dear friends. Think of that. As you go on with your life, Lauren and Chance and Sam, the Lord has given you that purpose to declare his praises as you live as his royal priests. That can seem rather a daunting task. And I'll tell you, you do not have the strength to do it in yourself. You and I don't have the ability to live up to this calling not even with all our abilities combined. Yes, our human ability and strength falls way short. But God's grace does not. What grace and mercy God has shown us that not only gives us this high calling, but also enables us to carry it out no matter what weaknesses we may struggle with. Even as he told the Apostle Paul, so he assures you and me, my strength is made perfect in weakness, he said. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, and that was your confirmation verse, Sam. And so we carry out our purpose and live as royal priests, offering our lives as sacrifices of praise, no matter what the future holds for you or what paths your life takes. Each day, 
Live it in glory to your God and Savior. For the living stone has called you to be his royal priests, to declare his praises. The living stone, Jesus Christ. No matter where life takes you, remember him and cherish him. Trust him with all your heart. For he has called you. He has called you to be his very own. So that no matter what happens, you can continue to follow him. No matter what the dangers of life may bring. For you are his believing people who hold him as most precious. And no matter what weaknesses you may struggle with, continue to serve him by offering your life as a sacrifice of praise, for he has called you to be his royal priests. Or, to sum up in a slightly different way, and this came to mind as I listened to Lauren's commencement address uh, last Friday night, as you build on Jesus Christ, your precious Savior, as you build on him, you can say to yourself that in Christ you can say, I am a living stone through Jesus. I am one of his believing people who holds him most precious. I am a royal priest for the living stone has called me to be his very own. Amen. Amen.